0: welcome to the podcast everybody here we go shall you start or shall i go for it okay i'm reading these for the first time in several days so <laughs> i have no idea what i'm copying down whatever oh i uh i was listening to the young turks they popped up on my youtube okay and the background is that they were they you know it's funny the levels of commentary here they were commenting on an article in the guardian let's comment on their commentary. Let's comment on their comment <laughs> it's like the bo burnham skit uh where the ultra wealthy are miserable, and it talks like this person works with them and talks about how there's a lot of vying for money with family. You can't trust anybody. Uh, the kids often never really have a sense of achievement if they're from mm-hmm. generational wealth because they're never asked to do anything, and it, it creates tons of issues. I've
2: seen this. I know multiple people whose families just fight all the time because they're desperately clawing at the
0: money of dead relatives. Yeah. And uh, the one guy, Chank, Express some empathy, but I thought this line from, I think her name is Anna Kasperian, was was just like instructive and interesting to discuss, was, I feel zero empathy for them. Do you feel your friends aren't genuine? Cry me a goddamn river. Are you living in a cardboard box on the sidewalk? Do you feel like you don't have purpose? Go find purpose, bitch. You have endless resources. Um, And I thought it was interesting because like the same pull yourself up by your bootstraps I would succeed in your situation mentality mm-hmm. that she has is exactly what she hates in republicans mm-hmm. <laughs> and she would if she were sitting here she would argue and I agree to to an extent that material circumstances material circumstances can be very difficult to overcome but of course she has no idea no concept and as she expressed zero empathy for what it would be like to live in someone else's shoes. And yeah, if it yeah. is the case that so many wealthy people struggle so much to be happy, is that not a material circumstance causing like yeah, that is having a massive people. Influence over they that?
2: struggle to they struggle to really get the predictable patterns that come with what they think they want. So like when when children get famous, it's just almost always a death sentence for their mental it's a health. a really bad thing yeah. for kids. And people, but people have no empathy when like Justin Bieber is speeding through a neighborhood because they he's reckless. He's this, that's like, this kid was doomed the second he got famous. Mm-hmm. And you can see it playing out in the fact that he, his health has not been good. His mental health has not been good. But nobody feels bad for him in the same way that because he has I'm, the things that they think would improve their lives. Right, versus there's other things that, can, that are predictable. Like if you have an alcoholic, abusive dad, that's going to fuck your life up too. And mm-hmm. we all have empathy for that because it makes total sense to us. But it doesn't, it's because we're so far from having experienced Justin Bieber's life mm-hmm. of just owning the world at age 14. People really don't understand how that just set him up to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And they blame his character even though it's exactly what has happened to so many other celebrity children. It's like, how many how much, how much, many times has this pattern played out before we're willing to say this isn't a character defect of the individual? It's exactly what happens when you're super famous at age 13.
0: And I think what you have to recognize is that you can still maintain a position of like, look, I want to have increased personal responsibility. So whether you're the rich pop star who becomes an asshole or whether you're the poor kid from the projects who becomes a gangbanger, like some people do make it out We want to encourage you to approach your life as if you are not doomed, which you are technically not, even though there's a high percentage of outcomes that might fall into that negative.
2: I would be super curious to know what percentage of kids get famous and then don't have mental health consequences because of it Mm -hmm. compared to how many people have abusive parents. It might be Mm -hmm. similar-ish, in which case it's like, yeah, you can can have the worst, most traumatic childhood ever and still make it out and be successful, Mm well-adjusted, non-abusive when you're a parent. Uh, wealthy based on your own pull your up by your bootstraps type mentality but doesn't mean it wasn't harder because of the circumstances Mm -hmm. and you could be a well-adjusted kid who happens to be famous but it's definitely harder because of the circumstances but nobody has that same level of empathy for you Mm -hmm. you know what I mean you don't look at the Harry Potter kids and and amazed at the
0: ones that didn't end up fucked up because of it yes Uh, what I I found interesting and I don't know that it's true because there's there was um I forget, what the, it was the Jonathan Haidt book, which is, the, I don't know if it was The Righteous Mind or something, but it talks about how uh, the Democrats or left-leaning people are higher in the, um, the care-like metric that you measure. Do, do they care and have a, a big heart, lots of empathy? Mm-hmm. And I think that that could still potentially be true on the aggregate, but what is interesting is that it does not extend past a s- certain group, Oftentimes, it does not extend to the wealthy, at least from what I see and read online. Maybe it does. Maybe some people have understanding, but I've mentioned this. like, If you were to truly approach the world and not say, uh, view people as individuals and not say, hey, we need to help um, gays or women or blacks because they are historically oppressed, but instead look at individuals and be like, who is struggling? Who like genuinely needs help, would benefit from help? You might wind up in a world where Jeff Bezos required a lot of Community attention, <laughs> even though he has all that money, and that you saying because he might be miserable, because he might be miserable, and if you were to look at people as individuals, well, he you, wouldn't get
2: a ton of attention. He'd just get as much attention as everyone else that's equally miserable. that is equally miserable. Right. Exactly, exactly. He he's might not going to be the most miserable. Yeah, person. he probably You're just saying not. like he's going to get a little bit.
0: He might get some community care time, whatever. You know what I mean? Be given given his individual circumstances, and that that is people just don't like that can't imagine that they they think that once you have a certain level of material wealth any problem that you have is Crimea River territory sure. you know it just doesn't i matter. don't
2: think the problems are worse though like when i say no. i know families that tear each other apart because they are trying to claw back granddad's money after he dies yeah. they're they're not more miserable than the people who are having a bunch of infighting cuz they are impoverished and are struggling to get food i'm just saying that their circumstances predictably lead there often which is they don't make the wealth themselves then they turn on each other and that leads to <laughs> unhappiness because they don't have a sense of achievement or strong familial bonds which is what actually makes you happy no matter what your wealth level is
1: well but it doesn't
0: mean that they're worse off than the they, people who they are it could be and we've yeah, talked about it's probably we've talked about a, a <laughs> no we've talked about a Vichy and i've lived with You're poor lot people. I've lived with poor people. A lot of poor people kill
2: themselves too, though. Like Avicii's a tie with know, all the no, other suicidal... I you're, but
0: you're treating them as groups. I'm saying I've lived with individuals sure. who are very poor in Costa Rica and are were way better off than Avicii Well, I was. think poverty in
2: Costa Rica is different than poverty in the U.S. because I think happiness is all about expectations. And so in the U.S., you're, you could have the same level of poverty in different countries and have a very different sense of... Happiness based on your circumstances.
0: Sure, I agree with that. I'm just saying that there, it, there is a hundred. I'm a hundred percent certain there's someone in America who is impoverished who is way better off from a subjective experiential standpoint than Avicii was. Yeah,
2: I don't think anyone would fight that
0: exactly. So, and you were just saying like i I'm, I say it's a tie and not worse. I, I think you would have to look at each individual to determine whether it was a tie or worse or better based on their own subjective experience. And then, of course, it's tough to compare. Yeah, yeah. Across. I'm cross. I'm
2: yes. You're saying the point you're trying to make. I think is that the wealth doesn't. Uh, cause you to have a sphere of invincibility around you when it comes to being miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm saying I agree. It doesn't, it's not to say that that means that you're worse off than somebody who's, like it's not worse than being poor. You're just saying it doesn't automatically make you happy because you have resources, Yeah, I
0: agree with. And and all this being said, it's probably a good thing to uh, aim to reduce poverty because the predictable struggles that you have there are often solved by escaping poverty and then you get other problems that you know yeah. need need different approaches to to yeah yeah exactly to ameliorate your suffering um but I, I yeah it was just interesting to, to watch and just uh the the admitted zero empathy uh i was like wow this is this is wild like this entire article just explained to you how miserable things are in a way that you can't understand you just are like i don't see it at all yeah what's yeah. <laughs>
2: the position well I've experienced this. It's fun to be judgmental. Of course. And it's fun to talk shit on people. And it's fun to schadenfreude Mm -hmm. and to feel superior to people. And you lose all of that with empathy. Mm. And if you have empathy, you won't shit talk anybody. Like anytime you're ever shit talking someone, anytime you're ever schadenfreuding and feeling good from their pain, anytime you're judging someone just to feel superior, you're lacking empathy. And when you have the empathy, you get none of those temporarily great feelings. And so I think she feels awesome shitting on those people. For sure. And doesn't want to give that up in exchange for understanding them better. That's a very unappealing short-term trade. And long-term, obviously, it's much better for her because there's costs to <laughs> to the short-term Uh, yumminess of being spiteful and having schadenfreude and being Mm -hmm. judgmental and everything you do to the external world what do you think the costs are you turn them back on yourself Mm -hmm. everything you do to the external world you turn back on yourself when you're super judgmental to other people and you're getting off on pointing out all their I would never do that I'm better than that you are doing all of that to yourself Mm -hmm. and when you walk around being like I think what you're doing is wrong, but I understand how you got there. I wish you wouldn't speed through the neighborhood, but I appreciate based on your circumstances, you have to be this way. I wish you wouldn't rob the bank, but I understand based on your circumstances. Why. Then when you fuck up and look back on your own mistakes, you will have that same level of, I get why you did that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any malice for you and I don't whip you internally. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the long run, everyone would be happier to have more empathy for other people. Because I think they would all be much kinder to themselves in their own heads. Mm -hmm. But it's so unappealing to tell that to people in the moment because it feels so good temporarily to just shit
0: on other people. Yes.
2: (laughs) And it is a... People
0: don't want to give that up. Like lots of the good things in the world that people don't do, it's it doesn't happen immediately. It's like, okay, I stopped judging other people. I mean, you're not like immediately like, oh wow, like a sense of self-love just surging inside right. of me and I'm kind to myself. No, well, no, it's a habit. You have a lifetime exactly, of habits yeah. and depending on what your habits, some people have a lifetime of empathy
2: habits. They just never, anytime people talk shit, they get weirded out or they defend the person and that person just has the habit of being kind to themselves probably. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you have a lifetime of validating yourself by making yourself superior to other people by pointing out how dumb they are or whatever, whatever your thing is, yeah, stopping it for a day isn't gonna stop that habit you have to break the habit over time Mm -hmm. very good so
0: that was one cool what else have we
2: i got something i think you'll find is interesting sure i know that you're you're big into this kind of stuff uh leading cause of death for people ages 18 to 45
0: cars fentanyl
2: overdoses oh shit yeah so we talked on the podcast cars
0: cars was the one that i can't control no cars used
2: to be also so oh, yeah? the, so this this fentanyl overdoses has gotten past COVID, car accidents, and suicide, mm. and it's become the leading cause of death age 18 to 45. And I know we've talked on here about how not all death is created equal. And when you die at age 99, you the amount of healthy human life that's been lost is probably like a month, right? Like if you die in a car accident at age 99, you, in a month, you're probably going to die of something else. But when you're 19, you die of a fentanyl overdose. That's a lot of human years, years. lost. Yeah. And it's just interesting. It's for people who don't know what fentanyl is. It's a drug that they you cut with other drugs that oh, is. Like, cheaper. I it was like
0: heroin plus. It's an opioid. It was, yeah. So
2: you cut. You, so, okay, people don't know what the word cut is. You combine it with other drugs because it's cheaper than those drugs and it's really strong. Now, the downside is it's super deadly. But if you get it right, you can create a similar high. So the person thinks they're buying heroin or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they get the same high they're expecting, but, but the margin the for error
0: The margin for error is much smaller because it's, it's much, so much stronger. Yes,
2: yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just fascinating because it's the leading cause of death in the U.S. from age 18 to 45, which is a demographic you'd think people would care about. Yeah. And no one talks about it. And well, you well, could I don't
0: know if that's true. I've heard, I've heard some about fentanyl, but...
2: Dude, I haven't seen anybody on any of the major news channels talk about it. No one brought it up in Thanksgiving conversation. You know what I mean? It's mm. just not, to me it's at least, not, it's not part not of the national it's not, dialogue. It's not, I, know, I understand what you're saying.
0: It's like, it's not covid or omic it's not it's not that popular i have i mean i'm familiar with fentanyl but yes okay it's not it's not co- and i'm by the way i'm not
2: trying to diminish these other things but it's not covid or gun control sure it's, definitely not gun control it's not like how much news coverage is, are we getting and how, how much debate are people having with their friends about how this has
0: to get you solved how this is a unbelievably unacceptable problem to have you uh, you know what's interesting is i think the things that rise to national consciousness require opposition so like if If everybody in America had a very similar stance on COVID, which is like, yeah, we're going to wear masks, and like some people shouldn't get vaccines, but some people will, and we all just agreed, I think we'd be talking about COVID way less. It's almost like the debate and the disagreement there is why it is such a popular topic. And with fentanyl, I don't think people are like, that's a good thing. They're like, yeah, it's bad. We shouldn't have it. And everybody just kind of- Dude, it's so solvable. This is the interesting thing.
2: The the US government is making this happen. Mm -hmm. Every single one of these deaths is on the hands of the US government. If they just legalized drugs, you wouldn't have to cut it with fentanyl. You would be able to go mm-hmm. to a CBS and buy drugs instead of going to a guy who's telling you something that you don't know what it is, Yeah, is. You'd have all these deaths go to zero, literally. Uh, maybe there'd be people who are buying it because it's cheaper on the street, but you'd have them dropping significantly. And not that anyone really seems to care, but you'd also see like seriously help Mexico and all the violence that occurs yeah. from the drug cartels over there that are running the Is that cities. where fentanyl comes from? Yeah. Uh, and so...
0: I thought it was China. I don't know. It's both. Yeah. It's both.
2: Yeah. So basically, well, also, but think about it. If you legalize every drug, you don't just interrupt fentanyl sales, which do come from Mexico and China. Mm-hmm. You also interrupt cocaine sales, okay, Yeah. which as soon as we legalized marijuana, the Mexican drug trade just turned steeper towards cocaine, basically, because yeah. there's still some illegal marijuana, but I mean, it's just clearly a diminishing market as people are able to just go to MedMen and buy it, you know, with no problem with a credit card. So yeah, this is the number one cause of deaths. People age 18 to 45 and the U.S. government has the solution whenever they want it and they don't do it. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. No one is upset about it. And I just find that really interesting that nobody is is uh, up in arms demanding that we just legalize all these drugs so that people stop dying of fentanyl. Yeah, I'd so like to I'd the like hear the counter
0: It does seem like one of the easy ones that I like... When I feel like we have uh, examples of prohibition. Like we had... Pre-prohibition, a prohibition, and a post-prohibition. We saw that an entire mob and industry formed around it that was extremely violent and had, I believe, far worse consequences than the legalization and regulation of it. Uh, Missed out on all that tax money Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we could have got and was just uh, not... A good idea. No, and the counter argument
2: is we don't want people. I mean, I'll I'm, I'll try not to strawman it, but I think it's just like we don't want people doing heroin. And if you legalize heroin, people are going to do heroin. To which I say, people are doing heroin. I don't want people <laughs> eating McDonald's. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. I, I don't want or I don't want smoking cigarettes or yeah. drinking soda.
0: I, I really think if we if we approach these things, we'd be like, we really don't want people eating shitty fast food. Like that is really not what we want. It's not good for them. It's not good. Yes, that. But it's there's this moral. I wonder if it's because of our puritanical origins uh, approach to drugs. It's the other thing. People, predictably, and I was definitely in this category, have different groups of things. So when you tell someone that they're going to have a vegetable or a vitamin or a supplement, they have one approach to it. Mm-hmm. But if it's categorized in the drug category, that's bad. What's interesting is that People take caffeine mm-hmm. and these other things. They don't consider them drugs. are high on coffee
2: right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had not
0: cup this morning. They would never say that, you know, very few people would say that they're high on coffee. You talk about uh, caffeine addiction is treated so lightly. I mean, you get headaches. It screws you up when you try to get off coffee. Oh, after dude, you've I went, been,
2: I mean, so yeah, I used to work in private equity and we worked long hours. And I knew a guy that was addicted to Red Bull and we all told him he was gonna die of it because he was doing five cans of Red Bull a day, I think. Yeah. And so eventually- He's like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. He made it, I think, two or three days during which he was having just nonstop sweating and shaking and <laughs> headaches. And he couldn't, he couldn't function. He couldn't yeah. work. He's like, I feel nauseous. I have headaches. I'm sweating and shaking. And just gave up. Went, went back to caffeine and said, I'll figure this out when I go to yeah.
0: grad school. Uh, th- it's interesting because when I discuss psychedelics with people that are not in that world and haven't thought about it, the objection is always like, but that's drugs. Mm-hmm. And I find myself having to go back to, to this description of like, look, what you conceive of as a drug and don't conceive of as a drug is kind of silly. Like, Well, psychedelic people know this. They've been
2: calling them psychedelic medicines. Yeah, yeah, they understand. They're they completely, they, there's a strong attempt to relabel them as psychedelic
0: medicines. Yeah, and I think medicine, and I understand why they call it medicine, has a, isn't inappropriate. That will be switched soon too because people take medicines like Robitussin, it's supposed to do all the work for you. And I think that that approach to psychedelics is not going to play out very well. Yeah. When you're just like, oh, I'll just take this and I'll be good. It's not going to work. So I don't
2: know if that's worth diving into, but we just have some anecdotal experiences and our own experiences of uh, psychedelics just being half the battle and how Mm -hmm. important it is to have good guidance and therapeutic, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, help for Mm -hmm. integration. Otherwise, it's very likely to do
0: nothing or not go well. Yeah. And and for some people, they're like, I took a massive dose of mushrooms and- I'm not afraid of dying anymore. It's like, great, that's awesome. I'm glad that it worked out for you. Uh, You do not want that to be the standard protocol for most people. Just like, take take a heavy dose of this psychedelic and you'll be better. Well,
2: that's the other thing. I mean, you could have high-end facilities for heroin that cost extra Mm -hmm. for the rich and famous where you go and they're monitoring your vitals. And while Mm -hmm. you're on your heroin high, they are giving you an IV or whatever it is. And I, listen, I'm not saying we want people- I wonder people, if heroin
0: could be used like psychedelics where there's like interaction on it. And it's like, what, what do you like about, you know, where there's talk therapy going on while you're on an opioid? My understanding is that heroin's very dangerous and no one should do it. Mm-hmm. But
2: I don't think making it illegal has led to that. Mm-hmm. So I think you might as well legalize it, try to make it as safe as possible to use so that people stop dying of overdoses and we stop funding cartels. There
0: was one guy in New York who was a professor who admitted to using it uh, recreationally for many, many years, which- he was microdosing, which I still wouldn't recommend. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm,
2: I certainly wouldn't recommend it. I don't think he was like train spotting himself, just shooting up and being like,
0: Here I go. Well, it, this is kind of, I think most people watching this know that, and you know that. I don't have to tell you, but I'll say it is that people treat addiction and drugs as if it's 100% related to whatever the substance is and not related to the style of use, what's going on inside you how you're using it as a coping mechanism and your your likelihood to become dependent on it to the exclusion of other things. I spoke
2: to a guy that runs an Ibogaine clinic. People don't know that's a hardcore (laughs) psychedelic. That's like the more extreme version of ayahuasca. And people use it. One of the reasons they use it is PTSD. So he'll have a lot of Navy SEALs come in. But the other is to break heroin addiction. And he says, this treatment is 0% effective. If you come break the physical addiction and then move back into the same apartment with the same social friend group Mm -hmm. and the same job, because everything that got you to do heroin the first time will just get you back to doing heroin. So he says, I'll, I can break the physical addiction in three weeks. Straight up, zero, per, zero question. And then we have to work together on creating a new life that doesn't lead the person back to heroin.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. New topic? Yeah, go for it. So there was, I guess I clicked something related to the Rittenhouse trial and now Twitch stuff, Twitch drama shows up on my YouTube, which is... Okay. Um, Twitch is like high school, man. At least the stuff that I've been seeing. Maybe it's because that's what I clicked for Rittenhouse, but uh, there's just so much drama. It is ridiculous. So one of the big things now is there's one guy, Hassan Abi. I don't really know him that well, uh, is banned on Twitch. And banned means, they use the word ban, I think, inappropriately. Mm. It's like for a limited time. My understanding of ban is that it's, in other contexts, using me like, you're never coming back, like exile. Uh, but yeah, he's He's got it. He's suspended. The the term is suspended. Suspended seems like the more appropriate term, Uh, and maybe that's, that helps serve the drama like banned instead of suspended, which is like, boring. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you pop for steroids in a sport, you get suspended. If you get banned, you're never coming back. (laughs) He said, uh, he was saying now, you know, Twitch is very sensitive to slurs and bad words and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And he said that someone was a cracker in an angry way. Um, and, I, the whole And now there's this whole, is the C word really bad? Is it as bad as the N word? Is it this? Does it have the historical context? No, it doesn't. And yeah, there's, yeah. there's all well, these arguments I know that it's not as, are so stupid. I know it's not as bad <laughs> as the
2: N word because you just said it on the podcast. And I promise you, you're not going to drop the N word. So, so societally, at least.
0: Well, no. But again, society, the, the idea, I think there's one. People discuss language as if, first, historical context matters, which it fucking doesn't. It is an agreed upon uh, matrix that we all live in. And if 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, we're all in an imagination and you had an invading force that just told the whole generation of kids, they're like, hey, there's a historical context to this, even though the word was never used badly, would it make a difference? It's, it's all about the beliefs of the group of people that are mm-hmm. using a word. So I, I hate these references to like, historically, what does it mean? That has nothing to do with the reaction that people have. Um, and there's all these silly uh, comments about the objective, the people seeming to tie down like an objective meaning of a word and, and ascribe some sort of valence or value to how strong or bad it is, uh, which just seems like people don't understand language. And the other thing is that when we discuss these things, I think it's so f- silly that, uh, this is an old take, the context doesn't matter, that I have to sit here and say C word, N word, and as if the mere uttering, of a sound, invoke. Do you have to say c word? You can't just say cracker. Definitely can't say n word. As, yeah, as if, course. as and as if the mere uttering of a sound would invoke hatred. Down, you know. It's just like, and it's it's crazy. But also the idea that like, you know, this was always weird to me when I was a kid. So I was like, wait, I can't say damn, but I can say darn. So if I look at you and I go, darn you, you squiggle licking. They smack in, you know what I mean? With such vitriol <laughs> that that is somehow uh, well, I think, I mean, less honestly, bad than, than- It is than less than bad a,
2: though in the sense that it, do, it means, it doesn't feel like you just did it. It's completely emotionless to receive. Yes. If you called a squiggle faced wiggle uh, Yeah. Even with hate in your heart, like yeah. actually, <laughs> I think there is something in the sense of words. I, I, We've talked about this in charisma, like what someone understands you to have said is what you said. It's a collective
0: hallucination. When you're, hallucination. Doing, when you're yeah. trying
2: to persuade someone or when you're in an argument, and, and you're saying something, and they're like, you said blank, and you feel misunderstood. Yes, but when it comes to persuasion, all that matters is what they heard. You know when what I'm saying? When it comes to persuasion, yeah, yeah. When it comes to persuasion. Oh, and, and persuasion similarly, I think is a practical
0: consideration, though. So if you, if anybody who makes a practical well, argument for I think for this. in hate, it also matters. Because mm-hmm. all
2: the hate in your heart, while you're calling me a squiggle faced tailwagger, it, can't, it won't affect me, because it's not a charged word in my mind. mm mm-hmm. So I think that's the power of the word. Is if it's charged in the person on the receiving end, then it's going to create a more emotional. I think it's reaction.
0: not well it's I think we it is a mistake to say it is simply cuz look, when we were approaching charisma, all we cared about were results. So we pretty hard divorced ourselves from our intention and focused on like how is what we're being doing being received. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily
2: bad advice. If what if you're not trying to be creepy, but everything that every person you talk to gets creeped out you should assess what's Mm -hmm. happening because Mm -hmm. I don't think that you as the speaker are the sole arbiter of what you're saying. So So if the the whole world thinks that you're creepy, you should take that feedback and reflect on the fact that you're creeping people out instead of being like, no, but my intent isn't to be creepy. And the words I'm using aren't creepy. It's like, you don't get to decide that on your
0: own. Mm -hmm. Like the world gets to tell you to some extent if you're creepy. Yeah. And so, and for the purposes of learning charisma, I think it's a pretty good idea to put reality outside of your perception and say reality is what it, i think you might be in the way my god all right bud you're <laughs> the star is of show. Is For he in the show right the right now podcast you'll be confused uh, you but, him, but it's fine. if you're watching this is charlie's dog shit over here thank you um i forget what i was saying but yeah that i i don't think it's fair to say because then you run into this problem if you go language is what other people perceive then other people, should they choose to... No, I'm saying hate.
2: it's partially is what they perceive.
0: Yes, partially. It, sure. And it's, it, it's it's a negotiation. It's a it's a collective, ongoing, hallucination negotiation, um, which... Yeah, I think if
2: you, I mean, not to be to death, if you, with all the hate in your heart, just yell things that don't make sense to the other person, they're going to laugh. Like, yes. your intent alone does not control... Communication.
0: Yes. But if all of a sudden a group of people decide to think that darn is the worst slur or that, you know, some yeah. common thing that I say. Well, if
2: it's a big enough group, then yeah, they totally then, get
0: to. And here's it. But what we have to recognize, they get to, they will, they will be effective. Practically that will become true for social interactions, but it does not make it like philosophically, metaphysically true. And so when I hear these arguments, they're often trying to find some sort of like objective floor on which to build their reason why they are right. Instead of just saying, my group's in power right now in terms of deciding what this is, or like the people that, not my group, most people agree with me right now. So it's true. <laughs> you know that, that, yeah. That's that's all it is. But I've he, I hear all these other arguments about history, which doesn't matter. It's It really is just what most people, and you take each of those people and you multiply by their power in society, believe, and then you have your answer of, What's good, bad, and neutral in the world, and it's obviously evolving because those people's perceptions and power in society is evolving. Um, so yeah, that that's it, and I, I think I agree with what you're saying, which is if other people tell you that it's bad, it becomes bad practically. Mm-hmm. It's just when I listen to these arguments, they're they're and not just bad, flattering, yeah, creepy, wonderful, dude. Thick. When did thick become a compliment? <laughs> <Like, laughs> right? Not just. I guess I'm just saying
2: it's not just bad. No, it's like, it's like all the all society sorts. really gets to tell yeah. you what all
0: the words mean. Yeah um that's sick dude Dope. you know what i mean like, yeah yeah why is this a good sick. thing why is sick good dude you're the shit yeah. <laughs> you so it's, i'm just saying oh, it's, not thank just, you. it's not just it's not just slurs that's just how language works yes and it's, it's what the and i think it's what it, words do. i guess here's here's the thing
2: in terms of having by the way all words their meaning is literally just defined by the society and that's why
0: different countries have different words, words for the same which is why i think no thing. in chinese sounds similar to the n-word and you can't get mad about it or you can you're allowed to technically uh, it's just yeah, language is just an agreement. So here's, upon. I guess, here's what I'm saying. If you happen to be a person who agrees with American society writ large, have compassion for somebody that didn't grow up in the same type of spheres and bubbles and doesn't use words the same way as you do, and might mean things without the intent and power which you ascribe to them. And I think that's part of my issue with uh, these words and what people say, any of their slurs that are that are unacceptable uh is that you might have the experience that is now dominant in terms of what most people perceive these words to be and how bad they are but somebody else might not and might use them totally bad so i guess i'm just saying obviously look for context well, wasn't this guy's intent.
2: context wasn't he trying to use crackers he slayer? was he yeah was. so Seems pretty down the fairway in terms of...
0: Yeah, the thing for me is, again, if I were running these social media platforms, and maybe this is impractical.
2: He, he, tri- it was, he tried to use it like a racial slur. Yes. So his intent was to racially slur someone. Yes. I don't even think it's a bad word, but if you're going based on... If you're trying to do context, the context here is you tried to use this like it was a hateful word. Yeah. So, so
0: it's pretty fair to suspend well, him. Well, and this is unfortunately, I think, Twitch is going to be... Uh, maybe they are into it. The... Game that they're playing now and now is just this this flow of new bad things that you can't say it's going to evolve and there's just going to constantly be people on the edge that are getting banned. What they mean is suspended. They use all words. Funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, but also, and that's just that's just the game they've decided to play. Is what I'm saying is I don't mind the word, but if
2: your goal is to suspend people when they say a word that is purposely meant to be derogatory and hurtful towards a specific race, this guy violated that. Yeah, policy
0: again, but it's also which I get and they're a big company and they have to have these blanket policies and things don't make sense. But he prior to that is like people all the time on church be like, fuck you, you piece of shit, mother you know, like
2: with such sorry, just uh, Justin, you don't get paid for this episode. <laughs> you can, you can bleep it. You
0: can bleep it. Uh that that you can be so hateful, so obviously, like what emotion is that person expressing? We would all agree, oh that's hate. Like he, mm-hmm. he fucking hates that person. Uh and if you don't say one of the no-no words, you're fine. But mm-hmm. if you use a no-no word describing something, you know, like you're reading Huckleberry Finn, you drop the N-word without calling it the N-word, now now that's hate speech. It's it's just very the way that we approach speech today in online communities does lacks philosophical rigor. Is that true? I actually don't know. I'm if pretty so. sure if you if you read Huckleberry Finn on Twitch when you say it
1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And because some of the people that said the word, not this guy, it wasn't
0: in, um, there were a lot of mods that also got banned that were describing it or talking about or saying it's okay to say this, like they, it's okay to say the C word. They were banned as well.
2: I'd be surprised if reading Huckleberry Finn got you banned.
0: You could try it. Definitely would. It did also definitely get you like shit stormed if you had any sort of public size, like if PewDiePie read Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Now again, why did he elect to read that? And maybe to prove a point about language. Maybe because he hates black people. Who knows? You know. But but people would read into it all sorts well, of... I mean, you don't
2: get to control public opinion. So if you mm-hmm. didn't get banned, but everyone got mad at you, that seems reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. Not reasonable in the sense that it's justified, but just in the sense that you don't get to say, you're not allowed to be mad at me. Sure. I don't think I did anything wrong. You're not allowed to be mad at me. Well, I guess work. what
0: I'm... what I wish that people were more sophisticated about their their approach to language and I understand that they're not going sure. to be just to be clear
2: that's not top 10 on my wishes no like it'd be nice but it's not that important relative to all the other things I'd wish for first I would be 6'2 first no. <laughs> I was Obviously. actually thinking. I wasn't going to bring it up but I was actually thinking about the thing yeah uh, <laughs> I'm doing these videos on dating and everybody always writes in you know attractiveness and how attractive the celebrities are and I feel like attraction is so much in your control with the exception of height like, I think attraction is made up of your height. For men, you mean? For men, yeah. Your height, your fitness, your style, your hair. There's so much that goes into it, and you your, can control basically... Your facial basically, structure. I think
0: facial structure for men is so low on the totem pole, actually. What you... Because there's... I will... It's not so low if, if you're on the extremes, but there's things that you can do to... Like, if you can grow a beard and you don't have fantastic facial structure, you can grow a, a dope beard and just cut it yeah, the way that all, you want it to Well, Also, look.
2: just if you get in shape, your face will naturally kind of square out, mm-hmm. and that's all that's generally what people say is attractive in men in America. It's just square defined features, which is just what happens if you are fit. So I feel like those go together. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, well, I, I have, there's all these things that are in your control and then there's just height and it's just not. Mm-hmm. And that's just the hand you get dealt. And then you just have to deal with it and get shamed for it because nobody stands up for you when yeah. <laughs> people tease you for your height. And it's just the, it's just the thing that you're going to get picked on that people are going to choose not to date you for that. No one, defends you for like you can you can't body shame for weight but you can totally body shame for height yeah. just think about it, like that's the hardest
0: that's the hardest hand i think as a man uh well i mean there's i just i know you don't mean it this way but there's lots of worse things that you could get for attractiveness uh y- there's a lot of worse things that you could genetically happen to yeah Sure. I mean, I guess there's I'm, all kinds of diseases and things and disfigurations and
2: yes, but if you're going, I mean, think about the bell curve. What's the height equivalent of that? You're saying mm-hmm. like you could be born with no face at all. Like, okay, yes, that would, I guess that would be worse. I understand I what you're saying. People, you're talking about, you're talking I don't about think many people in the, the majority in of the that people situation. in the, yes,
0: I understand. You're talking about the, most of the commenters on YouTube, the things that they complain about, the one that you say and you go, I have some understanding for this. Cause this genuinely is not something that you can change and is something that people will judge you on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you don't have a tremendous amount of influence or any except if you're wearing boots is, is heighten, to which I Or do that shin breaking surgery. Yeah. Like in Gattaca. They
2: have it. <laughs> Literally people hate their height so much that they'll just go to a doctor and you, shatter you not shatter you break your shin bones and then you put metal in to stretch your bone yeah. your body out and then the bone regrows
0: to connect and then you do it again mm. and again wow <laughs> and it's extremely painful we'll do a charisma for short guys right we were talking about that at some point point. and again some people's you know if they're not short enough but we're talking about like kevin hart who's five two tom holland who's dating zendaya i think he's five seven well i also um, don't it's
2: celebrity heights are a mystery yeah they're confused. depending on depending on where you go and who like, you look at them standing next to. They're
0: all they're all two inches tall, and they say, "Yeah, yeah." So it's tough. Kevin Hart is definitely five two. He's I, well, I feel, he says five four. Does except he? Except for sometimes when he says five two. Okay, he's he's quite short. Yeah. Um. So maybe we'll do that video at some point. The other thing that uh you know watching MacGruber and I've mentioned this before. I love MacGruber. This is my guy. I named him after it. Now finally he gets yeah, to stay. Don't know. There's a TV show called MacGruber. I I named my dog uh, after the cult classic uh, MacGruber because he's got the same haircut, but the running joke is that he has a really small penis and i cannot imagine that being made whatever the analog is for a female mm-hmm. and being okay and it's also to be a guy out there feeling like that's you as you watch this and it just gets teased relentlessly and there's no there's no pushback there's no response that he has it is just a deep shame that he has to deal with yeah. constantly and it's a, the butt of every joke is it's wild to me how obvious the extension of the compassion should be you know you can't fat shame you can't this it's like here's a thing that people have zero control well, over that we know some percentage of the population is going to be small because that's how bell curves work there is small there is medium and there is large for whatever it is that you are and that you know the big dick energy is such a common compliment it's it's a uh, it, again wild to me that, that that the compassionate stuff can't make such an obvious jump mm-hmm. to the next obvious realm of where compassion ought to be extended yeah why do you think that cuz i i
2: mean i think when people are in their empathetic mindset that's an obvious that's obvious what you're saying yeah why do you think it has made no ground at all relative they to don't fat shaming.
0: stand up for themselves yeah. or organize or well, or or I say that's me yeah yeah
2: i think that's a big one is you see you'll see people on tiktok and they'll they'll be like my my college is fat phobic no one wants to date me yeah, and they're yeah. 400 pounds and it's like well you can't deny that you're 400 pounds so you might as well just come out against yeah, yeah. fat phobic people mm-hmm. but you can try to hide if you don't self-identify
0: it's a little bit like i imagine what gay was like 50, 60 years ago, or I don't know how many, but where it was, you could deny it plausibly. And mm-hmm. so it was, yeah, don't say anything. Just, oh, uh, we don't, yeah, I also don't like that. Um, well, yeah, that's what, I, I think that's the biggest thing that stops it from,
2: no one's. No one is going to uh, advocate for that community because it's, mm-hmm. there's some people will, but it's rare to self-identify as even being in that community. Mm-hmm. So then you can't, you don't have any advocates, you don't have any celebrities coming out. Yeah, and yeah. Like, don't
0: body shame for this. Yeah, there's also not, I mean, yeah, what there isn't, and again, it's just, I'm thinking, eh, I don't know if that's true, because I was I was thinking if that was one of the few groups of people to which there is not a subset that's like, I love this, this is amazing, and so there's like, there is fat positivity, there is obviously gay positivity, like if you're a gay person, you're like, I'm into that, <laughs> you know, uh, I haven't seen a, or a, a subgroup of people that's like, I love that. No, small dick energy, that's so great. Um, but, yeah, it was just... I was watching, I was like, man, this is a... You do realize that I don't care what the average size is. 15 to 20 are in the bottom 15 to 20%. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like you, the, People... It's just so obvious. Yeah, again, one, I'm, eight, I'm, one I'm, in eight guys is going to be upset by this. And by the way, I'm a type of person that if it were, if I were like owner of uh, the culture, I'd be like, make fun of everything and everybody. Go make fun of the bigs and the smalls and the littles and the like. Just, I, w- I would be way more permissive than current society. But if you are going to restrict the jokes that can be told, my God, <laughs> this seems, this seems like a logical extension that you're unwilling to pick up on people. What the heck? So, Gruber, okay. Anything else that you had? Yeah. We
2: talked about cap gains, and I saw a comment that I wanted to reply to. Oh, just I had to try one, to too. Just to clarify. I think it was yours. So this was something. Hold on. Let me dig it up, because I saw it, and I I've, I've thought that we addressed it, but maybe we didn't address these arguments. I wrote this, one as well. This person was... So he writes, I absolutely love the podcast. I
0: wrote that one, too! Thank <laughs> you. But I thought the segment
2: on cap gains taxes was a bit reductive. For example, Charlie said, it's ridiculous to assume that raising the capital gains tax will re- reduce investment because people will still invest their money. That's true, but there will be less new investment than there was because it's objectively less valuable to invest than it was before. Can we pause there? Yeah. Yeah. So I would argue investing, when you decide to invest, you are not comparing it to what investing was like six months ago. You are comparing Correct. it to the alternative to investing, which is holding cash. And holding cash is a negative return because we have never been in a deflation. I mean, I won't say never. Cash inflates on average in the US. And so- Which means it loses value. So if you were able to invest and after capital gains tax, you were getting 7% on your money. And now with the new cap gains, you're only getting 6% on your money. That is still more appealing than holding cash and having a slight negative return as cash becomes less valuable. So I don't think that raising capital gains, especially if you're talking about from 25 to 35%, will reduce investing because that is not- your alternative. Your alternative isn't to go back in time and invest when cap gains were lower. And so it is still the logical thing to do
0: to take your 6% instead of your 7% rather than hold cash. So I, that's, I wrote literally the same comment and stopped at the same point and was, yeah, just to be clear, cap gains or cap, is it capital gains? Yeah. They're only on gains that you make. So if, if you lose money, you're in the same boat as you were before, whatever the rate is. Mm-hmm. If you make money, you're making more than you would have in cash. I actually don't think it would reduce investment at all. I agree. If it were, in, unless there were some other loophole where people could find their 20%, but if you if you made income taxed at whatever, 35, 40%, you would not reduce investment one iota, assuming there was no way to escape the US taxes. Right, now what you might have is people
2: renouncing their citizenship and moving to Singapore, but yeah. actually that is so drastic that I think very few people, based on a tax gains increase of 25% of your capital gains to 35% of your capital gains, I don't think many people are going to renounce their U.S. citizenship and stop, give up their right to live in the country. Basically, mm-hmm. to go live in Singapore or maybe
0: one or two ultra wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could happen, but yes, your your average person who is not moving is is going to invest. I would argue, identically in even if you raise cap gains. So that was my thought as well. Yeah,
2: uh, and then well, honestly, yeah, the rest of this comment is just about why that's bad but i i don't agree with the premise i don't agree that with the premise yep.
0: that's that's funny that's exactly what i wrote uh anything else yes yeah, so one thing i did want to clarify and then talk thanks for the about, comment honestly i liked i like it was uh, respectful well written i appreciate it yeah yeah agreed
2: Me i'm not calling it out to try to call you out i just thought that it was worth addressing since apparently we did not uh in your mind compellingly address that the first time mm-hmm. one thing that isn't an argument for more taxes i think the government does things terribly Uh, In my mind, it's a question of why not raise capital gains and lower income taxes? Because I think you can get the same tax revenue in a way that uh, the people that are paying taxes are more in line with who most people would want to be paying taxes. But I do think the government is awful at a lot of things. And so one thing I want to say is for people who want big government, the DMV is an awful experience. (laughs) The IRS is an awful experience. Uh, Malibu regularly loses power because they don't invest in putting their power lines underground, but they have a monopoly. Well, thats I,
0: I don't know if that's a government agency or a government-protected monopoly.
2: That's what I'm saying. It's a government-protected monopoly. Yeah. Uh, but there's private, reasons for that. Private enterprise is great. Big government often leads to things being shitty, and this is not me saying that I want overall tax revenue increased nor that i think the government does good things with their money they sometimes do we have to give them some credit the interstate system is pretty fucking oh i'm not saying they always do something bad i'm just saying you can argue that capital gains tax doesn't make sense and should go up and then just say we'll we'll offset that by making income taxes go down Mm -hmm. it's not automatically a point that the government should just get more money it's more a question of why the question is
0: why are capital gains suppressed relative to income taxes Mm -hmm. and even prior to that is to feel like there's a philosophical question of what should the government be in charge of. What do they do better than private industry? Where better is not defined as necessarily cheaper, but you know, get it to everyone, raise a minimum quality of life, and people can disagree there, which would lead to different uh, different tax rates and how and how much revenue they ought to be collecting for the job that they have. But if we assume that we agree upon that, then you go, okay, how do you want to get that tax revenue? I totally agree that having this uh, way of earning extra money that is from money as not being taxed at the same rate as other income is, is silly. The other that we well, talked about- Well, also
2: just to be clear though, you, can, you could, if your concern, which I think doesn't, isn't how, what would result, is that if you do this, you're going to take uh, lower class and middle class people or trying to invest and you're gonna hurt them in some way, you could just have a tax bracket type yeah, thing yeah, yeah. where you go, listen, for your first, how about this? How about it's the same as hundred thousand dollars. It's
0: income is income. Let's just call it income.
2: I'm not saying hundred thousand invested. I'm saying for the first hundred thousand dollars you make on capital gains, we'll keep it at twenty five. Mm-hmm. When you make more than a hundred thousand dollars in a year off capital gains, we'll go twenty-eight. When you make more than five hundred thousand, we'll go thirty. Like I think you can do this in a way, because that's the other thing I, I saw in the comments some people were saying, well this, you know, not, it's not, this isn't just uh, the uber wealthy that invest. I go, I agree. You can make, you can make yeah. rules for this. It's just that some people are making millions of dollars a year on their cap gains while having no income. Mm-hmm. And so then that person is just paying a smaller relative tax rate than someone who makes 120 grand salary and doesn't have any family wealth and so has very
0: few investments. Well, there's, and then I, we don't need to talk about this, but I thought about this. Elon Musk tweeted or that he's going to pay 11 billion in taxes this year. Which is a like, it's a lot of money. Now, it might not be percentage-wise, given how much he is worth, but this comes to the question of how and why do people pay taxes? Are they paying? F- are they paying because they are able? Are they paying because their neighbors prefer them to? Which I know it was just a word that you said, but you're like, uh, "That's not how most people would want." Well, do we just tax people based on majority rule? Is what is the philosophical principle behind? taxes. And I actually don't know that it's been clearly articulated. Like we talk about fair share without discussing what's fair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What if, what if Elon Musk really did have, what if Elon Musk was born with eight brains and eight hands and he was just doing it all, (laughs) doing them all himself and doing? Would we still tax him the same amount? If so, that implies that the philosophy behind it is it's not about how much you've withdrawn from the system, it's about you're just capable. If you're just capable, you just put back in. Yeah, yeah, that is what it is, in my mind. Well, some people don't think it ought to be that. Oh, some I people I think don't it, think your taxes should be like, okay, let's
2: look at Charlie, let's look at how many roads mm-hmm. he drives on, let's look at how many kids he has in public school, let's look at how many, and then we'll have everybody pay there. That, at that point, you're not really even doing taxes, you're just having, it's just people are paying for services like it's a business. The idea yes. of taxes is that that should not be the case, that actually you what you want to do is have people paying based on their means. Because otherwise,
0: you just wouldn't have taxes. You would literally just have people pay tolls on every road and pay. Not exactly. Because because Elon Musk benefits from having a collective group of people he can sell from, there is an argument to be made that his wealth comes from the community, right? Because he is selling to a community. Yeah, but you still wouldn't look at his... You wouldn't look at the individual
2: government resources that he correct. used up. correct. You'd then correct. have to look at the government resources every one of his clients used basically to do that math. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's general. My impression is that taxes generally are a, uh, it's supposed to be based on your means back to the collective. And that's why it's based on how much income you make. I mean, imagine a world with no cap gains, Mm -hmm. just salaries. The idea would be that the amount of taxes you pay is directly related to how wealthy you are and how many, how much income tax.
0: Sure. But there are, there are Republicans that think that what's fair is a flat tax. That is just, and and the flat tax, uh, well, some of them say a flat amount of money. Others will say a flat rate. So everybody pays. So flat rate is still philosophically the
2: idea that the more Mm -hmm. wealth you have, the more you should contribute to the whole. Yes. That's the same idea. Yes. Flat dollar rate, I've literally never heard anyone argue for. Everybody just gives, it's like. (laughs) frat <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've never heard a single person <laughs> argue for
2: that. So I don't, I haven't had that discussion. I don't know the intricacies of sure. it, but even the idea that they shouldn't have marginal increases in tax rates still philosophically. You're saying the higher your income, the more you should contribute to the government. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think. And then they disagree over tax, how much more you Yes. To pay. But the philosophy behind tax is always that it's never,
0: Oh, you drive more. So you should pay mm-hmm. more taxes because Re- otherwise you just get rid of taxes and pay fees. Yeah. This is just a, doesn't need to be a discussion, but I was thinking like if I was made president, didn't have to deal with any of the fallout, uh, people might not like this. I would definitely reinstitute the tax on religious institutions. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it's absurd uh, that and Scientology has has effectively used this loophole. Uh, God bless them because you know why why get left out of the scam <laughs> that that I remember going to the Vatican and just looking at all of the priceless works of art, just crammed into back rooms. Oh, yeah.
2: I didn't think it was worth bringing up, but there's a guy, I don't know where, there's a guy in the U.S. who lives in a mega mansion. He has seven private jets. He doesn't Kenneth pay taxes. He has yet. never paid taxes in his life because he happens it's to ridiculous. run a church. It's ridiculous. Why does this guy have seven private jets? Yeah.
0: It's not for his clergy. It's not like no, they it get is. on him. Well, it's God told him to. Is is Yeah, his, yeah. Uh, and I understand why we do historically, and I understand that that's not tenable for an elected official to promise or do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to but, be clear, so far to date, you can't even get a non-Christian
2: presidents. We're so far away from what you're talking about, which Mm -hmm. is a policy that hurts the church. Yeah,
0: can't even get a Jewish or atheist. I wonder, are university endowments taxed? I feel like there's probably some weird stuff going on with that. I'd have to check, and I won't talk about it this week, but I know that universities can also sometimes fit into this special thing of sacred institutions that don't need to justify yeah. why they're, they suck so bad. <laughs> you know, it is, it is
2: a total tangent. You know, it's interesting because uh, I've I've, always, I've thought to myself, what's worse, being Jewish or atheist, if your goal is to, to be president? Jew, atheist, 100%. Bernie clearly thinks atheist because he is, I think, agnostic, but he very much, I remember, was trying to present himself as, as Jewish, Jewish when he was running. Yeah. And I think he wrote a paper in college that was about agnosticism Mm -hmm. and it was a controversy that he was trying to bear he's like no 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 that's that was just like a philosophical Mm -hmm. argument i had it's like oh wow as bad as it is to be jewish if you're running for president it's worse to i think you're unelected you're
0: almost unelectable as an atheist i don't know what andrew yang is but well i
2: think making it out of the democratic primary and then making it to president are different so what what weaknesses get picked on when you're running in the primary doesn't really highlight what your biggest weakness is as a candidate sure because it might not matter at all if running the primary and then when you are running, all of a sudden it might come up.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's what we got. Anything else from you?
2: We got one more thing. Cool. I didn't know this, so I just thought it was interesting. Apparently, Theranos' biggest mistake was not lying about their product. It was just failing to develop it fast enough. Because when Steve Jobs first presented the iPhone, did you know this? He just presented a total magic show of lies. Like his, the iPhone just didn't work. And so mm-hmm. what he did was he had seven iPhones and they had predictable times that they crashed and he would just swap them out so they couldn't play a full song so he'd pull out an iPhone and play a part of a song until (laughs) it started to crash and then he would turn it off just be like all right that's the end and we'll move on to the next thing and he would just hand it out and swap it out with different things but like a magician he was trying to make it seem like it was all the same phone and they had never got it to run successfully without it being obvious in the presentation that it was actually a totally garbage product at the time but the one time they got it right was when they needed to and so then the stock price went up and pre-orders went crazy and they got a bunch of money that they then used to make an actually good iPhone. So it was interesting because basically Theranos... We, oh, and the reason I think it's interesting, sorry, is because everyone loves lauds Steve Jobs and loves Apple because of the iPhone. Yeah. Which makes me think that if Theranos had just lied, 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 raised billions of dollars, but then somehow gotten the technology right later, they would just be heroes of the American
0: community. Well, the guy that... And again, who knows? The guy that originally i forget his name Carol, he wrote the book um and we talked to some of the scientists it said that like this is at least from our current understanding of biology impossible to take a pinprick of blood and get the data that we need is it's not sure there. sure i'm just saying we don't penalize
2: you for lying to raise funds well we just penalize you if you don't then catch
0: up to yes, your promises yes 100 and hers was according to this guy at least in our, our relative era, impossible. Sure, to sure. Do, I'm just saying. Steve no one, Jobs is like, no. Listen, we can do it.
2: Like, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm yeah. just saying this is. Yeah. No one goes back in time after finding that out and
0: finds you or penalizes you or yeah. yells at you or Same depresses thing with your stock Mac, price. Dude, who acted like he knew what he was going to do and then like didn't know he was going to lose all of the fights to Dustin? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wait a second, you're not. You don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's no. You do definitely in the world of. If you're trying to make it business-wise, sports-wise, whatever, to act better than you are is a very good idea. Well, it works. I don't know if
2: it's a good idea. I, just, I don't know if I oh, want a, people
0: I don't know if I want people doing this, but it, it is effective it, apparently. It will get you more sales, more coverage, more money to act better than you are because when you're not good, you fade into obscurity and there's almost no price to be paid for it. You just lose like all the other losers yeah. who didn't act. Uh, but on the rare occasions that you pull it off and sometimes it gets more juice to you and more attention, you know, he psyched Dustin out the first time. Like, I do really think that that first fight, Dustin versus Connor, Connor was probably the better fighter, but he also got in his head and freaked him out. And I think he did that with a lot of it. Like Eddie Alvarez is a wrestler who just got in there and didn't try to wrestle him. He was just lost. Yeah, while (laughs) his coaches begged him to wrestle. Jose Aldo was like, like he looked I, honest to God, Connor's mental game, I think, was a huge component of some of those early wins, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, so it, it just helps early on. And yeah. then, and then when you break your leg and you don't predict it, it's like, yeah, of course he couldn't. know that He's still. Well,
2: I guess my only takeaway is that Theranos CEO clearly idolized Steve Jobs. She was wore the turtlenecks in his yeah, honor. and tried to be him. And her lying about her product was just another way that she was emulating her hero. Like mm-hmm. that, she just took it from his playbook, which is your product's not ready say it is.
0: Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. I didn't know that. Maybe Steve had a plan to just yell
2: at his employees really hard. until. until I, maybe I she had it. a plan to yell <laughs> at her employees until they did it. Um, cool. Yeah. Don't have a takeaway. Not saying you should do it at all. I just thought it was interesting that that's the birth of the
0: iPhone. It's
2: just a magic show, basically, <laughs> and a product that didn't work.
0: Cool. Let's do some questions. Cool. I got one. So um, often in your conversations, oh, one yeah, often in your conversations, I hear a sense of uncertainty. You often finish thoughts with the phrase, but I don't know for sure, or I'm not 100% certain. I think this is a very humble and important trait. However, how do you reconcile this with the usual advice that is given to young people entering the workforce? We're told to seem confident and speak with certainty and authority so that we'll be taken seriously, and often those who do this see results and climb the ladder faster. If you always speak with uncertainty, you might not be taken seriously when you have a good idea, or you might not be seen as deserving of a promotion with more responsibility. Mm -hmm. This is akin to fake it till you make it mentality. Oh, I'm on air and being recorded.
2: I am I have way more conviction when I'm not on the podcast. This is because it's being consumed by thousands of people and I don't know everybody's belief system and so I have to couch what I'm saying in a way that is hopefully understood by the most amount of people and I know that people are just going to clip this and, <laughs> and try to make it something that isn't being said so I'm trying to speak in a way that is is, is understandable to everybody on the planet and uh, gives the devil his due in every regard. Mm -hmm. When I'm just talking to people, I don't talk like that. (laughs) It's a very different tone and, uh, much less of a cover your ass mentality. And it's much more about just what I believe in. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, this is my podcast. Persuasion is very different from my in-person persuasion.
0: Well, and also if we wanted to grow the podcast, Uh, wouldn't be so nuanced Uh, that would I wouldn't be the first thing I did I'd probably get some guests but somewhere on that list is stop hedging just go give crazy hot takes that's that's what people want is not want that's what people click well you know people react and respond mm, to in the short term yes but here's the so here's the
2: problem we're kind of all over the place so even our hot takes like the one let's say most people identify with a political party and so they're Democrat down the line, and then other people are Republican, but they have their identity. We might just come out with an aggressive take on abortion in one direction and gun control in the other that people loved, but then hated. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how you build an audience. I think how you build an audience is you just pick a side and then you go down the fairway with hot takes that they're going to love. And you just say, I'm going to have half the people hate me. I'm going to have half the people love me. And that's a big audience, half the people. And we would, I think, be constantly like upsetting the people that we had just brought in as fans when we switched <laughs> which side of the aisle we were in favor of. Yeah. So I don't think we would grow just by being more hot takey because yeah. our hot takes don't go straight down the fairway. So in any event,
0: you're like, what do I do at my job? How do I, Yeah. don't, this? don't hedge like we do as much on the podcast. We definitely <laughs> less than we do on the podcast, but I'm not sure it's not going to be great. The other thing is that we're speaking on topics like the economy and politics, which I don't spend most of my time looking and reading. I'm the, the things that I am least hedgy on are the philosophical grounds, which I feel like I have explored this. So hopefully in your job, when you're speaking about something, you have a degree of mastery over it, which leads you to be much more comfortable finishing sentences strongly.
2: But I can also tailor, like we, did, we had the height thing and you're like, well, don't forget about people who are born without faces. I'm like, that's a fair point when yeah. I don't know who I'm talking to. Yeah. But if I'm talking to someone at dinner, I don't I know, I'm looking at you. If you have a face, I don't have to throw that out there. I can just say, listen, you are being. You have a victim mentality. You think this is out of your control. Yes. You get in good shape, change your haircut, change your style, yeah. and be much more attractive. Like,
0: I can speak to an individual. Because you understand where they're coming from, their assumptions, their background, yes. and you don't have to clarify for some amorphous audience who could technically be anybody. And might go, I I, I have no face. Which is fair. Like, that's a great point. If I were talking
2: to someone who didn't have a face, I would not tell them that height was the most important thing. I'd be like, dude, yeah, yours is a really, really rough spot. I don't, where like, this is going to be a game plan I've never come up with for how to improve your dating life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, most of your conversations, you know who you're talking to. So you can afford to be specific
0: and you can afford to make certain shared reality assumptions that we cannot in some don't emulate how we do it on the podcast no i would instead look at how i do it on the youtube channel like look at how some of my present i mean these are presentations if you look at any talking head video i have i might talk about a couple edge cases but i'm pretty i don't i do not you should do this cover in the same. i tell people what to do yeah. and and are there exceptions to those rules yes there are and some of them come up in the comments and go uh-uh not in this situation but i go that's not i feel very i feel this is supposed to be instructive. I've thought about this. This covers most of the cases. Here's a handful of the exceptions. Take a, take a look at my talking heads for how you ought to speak, present, all that kind of stuff. And
2: also, I think even at work, when you, when, like, when you are trying to, let's say you don't know all the details, I think you can still, with conviction, just say, you know, I have to dive deeper into the data, but here's my hypothesis. I think Mm -hmm. that we could grow tremendously if we did X, Y, Z. It's like, I would have to dive deeper in the data, but I did a cursory cut this morning. And I think this is a bad plan because based on what I saw, the real growth lever is this and doing this is only going to grow 5%. Like you can still couch it with with the fact that you're not 100% sure, but ending, this is actually something interesting that I don't know if people have heard before. What you end the sentence on is the thing that sticks. So if you say, I have to dig into the data more because I'm not 100% sure, but from what I looked at in the data, I think our biggest growth lever is this and that's where we should focus is going to come off much more compelling and commanding and certain than I dug into the data and what I think we should do to grow is this, but I haven't done a full analysis and I'm not 100% sure. The last part, when you have a two-clause sentence.
0: when you have a a but sense,
2: When you have a but sense, Okay, sure. What you end with is what sticks. Mm -hmm. And so that's a way to express uncertainty, but still have conviction. That plus your tone. And in that way, you can express what might be true, which is I don't know 100% yet. I haven't fully done the math, but still come across well. Mm
0: -hmm. Wonderful. Cool. Let's do Patreon. Patreon, appreciate all you guys for watching. If you want to hop over to Patreon, we got a bunch more questions. What are we talking about today? We're going to answer how to be a great wingman, if sweatshops could be good, and then something of a Nightlife 101 guide. Oh, nice. Ooh, that's, that's an area of expertise where I will be certain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to check that out, it's $3. gets you access, keeps the podcast going, money in Justin's pocket, and a microphone in front of our faces. So we <laughs> hope that you guys decide to do that either way. We appreciate you. Take care.